What's up, beautiful people? Welcome to the Purpose Troubleshooter Podcast. I am your host and personal purpose troubleshooter, Avern Gums. And listen, y'all, this is the corner where we dive into personal, professional, and relational solutions to living life on purpose. And what I want to tell you, it's really a secret. If you are an ambitious person, this is the only podcast for you. Because over here, we talk about how ambition culturally is actually an enemy to dominion in the kingdom of God. So I know that that's something that you might not have heard before, but the episodes that you're going to hear this season are truly tailored to what we are diving in, to dismantling the systems of culture and establishing the systems of kingdom. Welcome to the Purpose Troubleshooter Podcast. Listen, y'all, I want to tell you today that there's something that's derailing your destiny and is robbing you of your dominion. And I want to bring this to y'all today because I've been asking God like over the last couple of months, like, how do I draw closer to you? And I think that there are a lot of us who actually ask God this question. And for me, I thought that it was like this big puzzling question that I didn't know the answers to or that I, you know, had to go and seek, do some like deep study and really try to ask God, like, God, how do I do this? But recently, last Sunday, I went to church and I heard a message by Pastor John Brevere, and it has radically shifted my perspective on what it means to walk in purpose, to walk in destiny, and to really walk towards the things that God has has called us to good morning good morning good morning good morning i am super excited to be back and i'm happy that y'all are here with me if you don't know me my name is avern i am your purpose troubleshooter and i'm helping you troubleshoot through life to ensure that you are truly walking in the purpose that god has created you for and that you are making sure that you are walking in the dominion that he has already given to you so let's open up in prayer before we start because i want to tell y'all what this thing is that's derailing you from really accomplishing all that God has called you to accomplish let's pray Father, we thank you for giving us your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your compassion. We thank you for giving us the wisdom to do the things that you have called us to do in a way that pleases you and to serve the people who you have called us to serve. We thank you, God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So point blank period. Sin is derailing you from your destiny and it's robbing you of your dominion. And so I know that everybody might hear this in church, like stop sinning, don't sin, 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 sin. And I know that for me, let me know in the chat, give me a one. If you grew up in a church where, you know, every time you felt like you needed to, like you sinned, like, you know, you was going to die, you know, you weren't going to get an opportunity to get back in heaven. Like your life was just over. That might just be my only experience, but y'all let me know if that was your experience as well, because one of the things that I have realized in this life is that a lot of times we think that sin is just missing the mark and that's what sin means sin means to miss the mark right it means that we've made a mistake it means that we've messed up it means that we weren't perfect but what if I told you that the enemy knows that the only way for you to not accomplish everything that God has called you to is to throw sin in your way to derail you from the best life, the ultimate life that God has called you to. 
Let me tell you something. This past week, I got a revelation that God has truly been trying to show me over the last three months, I would say, of what it means to truly fear God. Now, I know for me, let me know in the chat too. When you think about the fear of the Lord, have you thought about being afraid of God? Like God gonna punish you. He gonna just, you know, cut your life short. He gonna, you know, put you in a corner, put you on timeout. Like, oh man, like I sinned so bad. Like, let me not go to church. Let me not pray. Let me not read my Bible. Let me not, you know, ask for help. Let me not share where I'm falling so that I can get people to help me. If you've ever experienced that, you are not alone. I am here and I have experienced that too, okay? And so what I want to share with you today is something that's going to literally liberate you from what the enemy is trying to tell you and help you to really seek after this new perspective that God wants you to boldly walk into. So first things first, some things that I'm going to say in here are by John Bevere. I want you to go and get his book, The Awe of God. Go and get the book. Go and look for the podcast on YouTube, all his sermons, watch them, take notes, and binge it, okay? So first things first you can love God and don't fear God let me say that again you can love God but don't fear God have you ever said I love God but why do I keep sinning why do I keep you know cursing why do I keep having sex why do I keep holding grudges why do I keep unforgiveness why do I keep you know all these different things in 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 my body in my mind in my soul me I had a come to Jesus moment and I recognized that although I go to church, although I read my Bible, although I pray, although I serve, although I love, although I give, there are times in our lives when the fear of the Lord can leave us. Whenever you find yourself sinning, it means that the fear of the Lord have left you. What does it mean to fear God though? The fear of the Lord doesn't mean to be afraid of God. The fear of the Lord means to be afraid of losing the presence of God. There's two different things. What makes the fear of the Lord leave us? Well, I'm going to get right to that. That's a good question. Remind me like in five minutes. So the fear of the Lord doesn't mean to be scared of God. You know, like when your parents going to come with you with a whip and you trying to run or, you know, you feel like you can't go and talk to this person because of how they're going to react to you. Like the fear of the Lord doesn't mean that you need to be scared of God, like in shiver me timbers. The fear of the Lord means that I really want to get to a place where I don't want to be absent of the presence of God ever. It's like, God, it's like me. I'm about to be a wife. I don't ever want to be absent of my partner, okay? I want you right here with me all the time. Where are we going? What we doing? That's what the fear of the Lord means. It means like, I want, you know, I want you to always be beside me, always be with me. If I'm not with you and if you're not with me, then I'm vulnerable. I'm open to any type of 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 warfare i'm open to any type of you know traps or any type of of um darts that can come at me but when i'm with you i know i'm secure so i want you to think about this and say to yourself do i do i fear god in a way that i'm scared that god gonna punish me or do i fear god in a way that god i never want to leave your presence 
There's two different things. And I would say from my experience, I grew up thinking, you know, because I messed up, because I missed the mark, you know, because I wasn't perfect, the fear of the Lord meant that God was just going to cast judgment on me. Don't don't get me wrong. God does cast judgment. But what he's saying is that in order for you to walk righteously, in order for you to walk up. Um, upright I need you to fear me in such a way that you don't want to do anything that will hurt me if I say that I fear my fiance it means that I don't want to cheat on him it means that I don't want to lie on him it means that I don't want to make hurt his feelings it means that I don't want to do anything that's going to cause you know friction between us conflict between us because I love I fear him so much meaning that I reverence him I honor him I respect him I adore him and it's the same thing that God is saying do you fear me do you fear me so what I want to ask you is when you think about the sins that you went through do you run away from God or do you run back to God because this is a thing if we feared God like shiver me timbers shaking in my boots versus Daddy, I need to come back to you because I'm broken. Daddy, I need to come back to you because I don't know where I'm going. Daddy, I need to come back to you because I don't even know how to take care of this situation. Or are you saying like, okay, God, well, clearly I'm, I'm checked off the box. Like this ain't working for me. This ain't where I'm supposed to be. You know, this ain't for me. And I think that what the world has done and what a lot of traditional church has done was painted this picture of a God who's just sitting there waiting to stab us versus a God who's saying, honor me, love me, respect me, reverence me. Right. And there's a scripture, Exodus 20, 20 verse 20. It says, do not fear God, meaning scared shiver me timbers for god has come to test you that his fear godly fear may be before you so that you do not sin when you have the fear of god it keeps us from sin y'all but when we fear god like i'm afraid of you we fall into sin i don't know if y'all getting what i'm putting down but this is good and I had to stand up for this one I had to stand up for this one today because when we fear God out of physical fleshly emotional fear versus fear God out of reverence sovereignty respect love and honor there are two different outcomes in how we live our lives and I gotta be real with y'all when I had an abortion, when I was having sex out of marriage, when I was lying, when I was, you know, holding grudges, not forgiving, all these different things, it was because I felt I was more in condemnation and the fear that the world has described to us of the fear of the Lord versus walking in the fear of the fact that my daddy loves me. He wants the best for me. He's here for me. He's going to protect me. He's going to provide for me. He's going to keep me and all these other things. So you got to ask yourself, even though sometimes, and I got to be honest, even though sometimes we do get on this streak of walking with God and walking um, in the fear of the Lord, when someone asked the question, Rose asked the question, well, when, when does the fear of the Lord leave us? The fear of the Lord leaves us when we allow so many different factors to get, to get in our way. Let's break them down. When we get tired, 
when we get overwhelmed, when we get distracted, when we start listening to certain things that create certain opinions in our minds, anything that the enemy can use to plant seeds to slowly derail us from being in God's word, being in God's presence, running to God first, seeking godly counsel. And it doesn't op- it doesn't come like just all at once, right? Like where you go from one extreme to the next, he slowly plants things. So let's say for instance, you're working and you are working 12 hour days, 13 hour days, 14 hour days. Now you've done missed your prayer time one day. Oh, I'm gonna get it tomorrow. Then you missed it the next day. Oh, I'm gonna get it tomorrow. Then you missed it the next day. And then what happens? Then he hits you with a family issue. He hits you with a relationship issue. He hits you with a car issue. He hits you with all these other issues. And then you realize that you're somewhere sleeping around with somebody or you're somewhere relapsing into something that, you know, you, something that you, you, um, you stop doing or you've been trying to stop doing or that you've you know somewhat created some bitterness in your heart you found yourself wrapped up in some gossip or some malice or something and it's not that you intentionally got there is that the that's in the situation the enemy planted seeds to slowly but surely derail you from where god is trying to take you because you have lost sight of one itty bitty moment where we thought that it was just a moment where we can you know make up for it but then if we're not intentional with getting back in line and realigning ourselves then we find ourselves quickly going down a slippery slope and then we're like how did I get here I was just praying every single morning at 3.30 in the morning. I was just, you know, reading my Bible every single morning. I was just evangelizing and telling people about God. I was just, you know, serving and doing all these things. And I'm telling y'all my life, okay, while I'm talking. So this is just me, right? And so I wanted to bring this to the community. And y'all know I haven't been live for a moment. But this morning I felt God really just unctioned me to share this message because it's something that he's dealing me with dealing on me with because I said God how do I fear you and all it means is to obey I remember 2022 I met one of my friends named Venus and she can attest she probably in the chat I said God told me the level of your obedience will equal the level of your acceleration at the speed in which you obey is at the speed in which I will accelerate you There's a lot of things that I haven't, you know, spilled the beans on with this whole um, um, engagement and becoming a fiance. But a lot of what is manifesting now was out of obedience. Was I perfect? No. Did I fall? Yes. All these different things. But God honored his word because when he told me something, I obeyed. Now, listen, how do we manifest the fear of the Lord in our lives? Because you might be saying, all right, Avern, like, I really want to follow God. I really want to trust him. I really want to yearn after him. I really want to go after him. How do I do this? First of all, it's just obedience, right? Obedience is the umbrella. But under obedience, there are five ways to obey God as we truly try to manifest the fear of the Lord in our lives. Point number one. You got to obey God instantly. It ain't no, this is a process. One of the, one of the, um, one of the, the, the examples that John Bevere gave was, um, people be out here bragging like, 
God is, you know, God been dealing with me on this for nine months now. It's, it's been a process, child. So you are bragging on your delayed disobedience. You are bragging on your non-fear of the Lord. Because if you feared the Lord, if you love God, if you respect the God, if you serve God, that's like me telling my fiance, like, yeah, I'm working through this um, cheating situation for nine months. What? Do you love me or not, child? Do you love me or not? Which one is it? Is it this person or is it that person? Who is it? Which side are you on? You got to pick your side. And so obeying God instantly then says, number two, you got to obey God when it doesn't make sense. Because what is faith? Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And a lot of us walk around with this mentality, well, I got to see before I believe it. You, you got to show me the proof. The proof is in the pudding. That's what we say. But with Jesus, no, 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 because that's not kingdom. That's culture. So we got to say, okay, God, you've told me this. Look at Abraham. You know how Abraham became a friend of God? Abraham became a friend of God because when God delivered the promise of Isaac to Abraham and then God came back to Abe and was like, yo, Abe, I need you to sacrifice Isaac tomorrow. Abe didn't say, hold on, God, we need to process this. We need to talk about this. We need to, we need to negotiate with this. Abraham was like, what? You are telling me that I need to sacrifice my son. But God, not my will, but your will be done. It didn't say Abraham took three days to go to the mountain. It didn't say Abraham took a week or a month or a year to make up his mind that he was going to kill, sacrifice Isaac to God. It said the next, early the next morning. Early, or early, meaning with anticipation with pepping your step, with energy. Early the next morning, he went up to the hill and obeyed God. So when God tells you to do something, drop the thing, start the thing, go the place, do the thing, tell the person, blah, 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 blah. Whatever it is that your situation is, do you do it instantly? Do you? Number two. Obey God when it doesn't make sense. Obey God when it doesn't make sense. So I have this KPI that I use with my business and for my leadership development. And it's I've, I've defined KPI as kingdom over culture, people over pro, uh, purpose over profit, and innovation over imitation. The moment that you have to make something make sense, i.e. testimonials, i.e. social proof, i.e. case studies, i.e. all these other things, before you obey what God has told you to do, you are not walking in the fear of God. Because it won't make sense. Like, I do get that there are times when we got to find the people, find the niche, find the, all these things. But if God has told you to start something in a moment where you don't have all of those things sorted out, you're still operating in disobedience still operating in the lack of the fear of the Lord. And y'all, I'm preaching to me too, okay? So, number three, obey him even if it hurts. Sometimes, God checked me and he said, it's not always about your peace. 
It's not always about your fleshly peace. It's about the peace that surpasses all understanding. It's about the peace that I am going to give to you, not because of what your flesh saying is what's comfortable, but because of what you're doing that follows in the direction and in the destiny that I'm giving you. The peace on earth ain't really going to be the peace that you need to be thinking about. The peace that you need to be thinking about is peace, eternal peace, peace in heaven, peace in, in destiny, peace in, you know, in, in the Christ of Jesus. That's the peace you need to be focusing on. Right. I was having the conversation and and, the, and the, in the conversation, it came up. Well, you know, some things you, you need to do outside of what you think you need to do or what your feelings are saying you need to do. And you need to do it because it's the thing that would keep you in line with the fear of the Lord. And I was just like, this is too much for me, child. This is too much. Number four. Obey him even if you don't see the benefit. Well, God, the return on the investment doesn't look really uh, promising. But God, how long is it going to take for the business to blow up? Oh, God, you know, um, are you sure? Like, there's no proven track record to this. Can you obey God even when you don't know if it's going to work out? And can you be okay with it, even if it doesn't work out based on what your eyes would like it to look like it worked out as? Like, let's say God told you to start a business. You start a business, you ran this business, and the business doesn't even make $100,000, let's say, for 10 years. Would you still operate with a heart posture of faithfulness? Because you didn't physically see the benefit and you felt like, you know, I haven't achieved purpose because I haven't made all of this stuff or I haven't achieved all of this stuff or I haven't walked into all of this stuff. Whereas God is saying, the only assignment that I had for you to accomplish destiny was to obey this assignment that I gave you. But because it didn't look like what everybody else was doing or how everybody else was feeling, you didn't think that it was purpose or you didn't think that it was destiny. So you had to go and find your own way around things to make your own feelings feel validated and feel like you've accomplished something in life. Number two, number five, <laughs> number two. Are you willing to obey God to completion? And this is where he has been shaking your girl. <laughs> because one thing that I've recognized, and this is for my, my, my ladies who have had an abortion. An abortion is not just a physical thing that you've done. An abortion it's also connected spiritually and it's tied with the spirit of Molech in the Bible when they would sacrifice the children to this God named Molech in the Bible. So when you do something in the spiritual, in the natural, I want you to also consider that there are spiritual ramifications. And in that, when you engage in certain things naturally, we connect ourselves to certain things spiritually which impact our walk with God in the way that we fear God. So you had an abortion in the natural, you think it was nothing, you kept on living. But if you did not break that spirit spiritually over your life, 
then you are withholding a spirit of abortion with everything that you walk into as you operate in life. So for instance, you might find yourself saying like, you know, why I can't finish stuff? Or why I can't, you know, I start stuff and I finish. Or it's like before the time, right before this thing um, blooms, it's destroyed or it's taken up or whatever the case may be. So there's a short stop, right? I've suffered with that. And I've had to go to God and repent and ask God to break the spirit of abortion off of my life because there were blessings that I saw God giving me. And then at the moment where it will be blooming, at the moment where it was supposed to be a breakthrough, it would just cut off. And number five of the manifestation of the fear of the Lord is obeying him to completion. And so what the enemy knows is that if he can get you to abort the purpose that he has placed within you, then he knows that he can get you to abort the thing that God has called you to so that you can um, truly walk in the fear of the Lord. So number one was obeying God instantly. Number two was obeying God when it doesn't make sense. Number three is obeying God when it hurts. Number four is obeying God when you don't see the benefit. Number five is obeying God to completion. You can love Jesus. I praise you. I speak in tongues. I serve. I pray. I do all of these things, but not fear God. To fear God means that you are not scared of God, but to fear God means that you reverence him. I used to, I, I came across a, a, a YouTube video one day and I said, God, I want to learn your secrets. And this is what John Bevere mentioned to us. In some, um, he brought to our attention in Psalms chapter 25, verse 14. He says, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant. If you want to know God's secrets, you have to fear the Lord. If you want to know God's secrets, you have to fear of the Lord. You have to fear the Lord. And then he will show you his covenant. Covenant means that if we come into a bind, when we come into a marriage, covenant is coming into a marriage with God where it's saying we are one. We are together. We are doing life together. And we are not breaking this union that we have. Friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear him. With them, he shares his secrets. If you want to know the secrets of God, you want to be able to ask God, God, how do I, as an entrepreneur, walk in dominion, as a leader, walk in dominion, as, as a person in corporate, as an entrepreneur, as whatever it is that you do, how do I walk ahead in the signs of the times, not being an imitator, but being an innovator, not following culture, but walking according to kingdom, not running after profit, but chasing after purpose. How do I walk in this? without walking in selfish ambition, without going with my own desires, without thinking that my intellect is the one that's guiding me, without thinking that my degrees are the one that's sustaining me, without thinking that the money is my source. How do I do this? Well, you have to become a friend of God so that God can download his secrets to you. But if you got a friend that's shady, that, that run their mouth, that carry your business, that you know you can't trust, are you going to give your friend your secrets? Your friend is wishy-washy. They ain't got no allegiance. They ain't got no loyalty. You going to tell them your secrets? Not me. So why would God tell us his secrets if we are not walking 
in fear of him. If we are not reverencing him, if we are not glorifying him, if we are not hating the things that he hates, y'all to fear the Lord means that God, I hate whatever you hate. If, if my, um, if, if I, if, if, if my fiance says, you know, babe, I really hate it when you smack, or I really hate it when, you know, you leave the dishes out, or I really hate it when, you know, you do, you do something. Would I be a good partner, a loving partner to keep doing the things that he hates? But do you know that God hates sin? God doesn't hate sinners because he loves all people, but God hates sin. So when you sin, I want you to also think about the, the narrative in your mind because this is how the enemy comes and gets us. When we sin, we think, oh my gosh, God hates me. God doesn't hate you, honey. God hates the sin and what the sin is doing to a perfect vessel that he has created. So that's why he said in him, there's no condemnation because it's not about you. It's about the sin, what the sin is doing to you. I really want you to get that because what the sin is going to do is cause a wedge between you and God, which means that you're not friends. And if y'all ain't friends, I ain't sharing my secrets with you. And if I ain't sharing my secrets with you, it means that you now have to work in your own selfish ambition, your own selfish desires to develop the things that God has called you to do in the earth. Because he said in, in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, you got to um, gotta create, you got to um, multiply, you got to subdue, and then you got to dominate. And my goal as a purpose troubleshooter is to help you recognize that you are created to dominate in full capacity. Dominate in culture means that you are, you know, abrasive, you are controlling and all this stuff. But domination in the kingdom means that you are taking authority, holding every captive, and you are declaring, thus saith the Lord, and you are establishing the kingdom of God in the earth. That's that's what dominate means if you look at the marketplace currently worldly people are dominating not kingdom people and God in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 has called us to be the ones who are dominating are we truly dominating a statistic said that the church is the first is the last group of people to catch on to trends that are shifting the world and if the church is falling behind with leading initiatives that are changing our world at a rapid pace, i.e. AI, I was, I'm on an AI course right now and I found out that people who create pornography are the first groups, the first industry who jumps on adapting new technologies, pornography. The last group to adapt new technologies is the church. How are we dominating if we are always last? Which means that we're now imitating what every other industry has done before us. Before we can get on the front line of really doing what God has called us to do so we can shift the narrative of the direction in which the world is going. And if you don't see how all of this comes into play, you really gotta ask yourself, if I am not dominating, 
Am I fearing the Lord? Because if you fear the Lord, he's going to share his secrets. If he shares his secrets, it means that he's going to share wisdom and intellect that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, and he's going to reveal new revelation to you that you have to now come into the understanding that, hey, I am called and appointed and ordained for such a time as this, and I am a daring disciple of dominion because God has called me to walk on every piece of land. In, jo in Joshua chapter 1, he said, whatever land you walk on, I'm going to give you your, I'm going to give you vineyards you didn't plant. I'm giving you houses that you didn't build. I'm giving you territory that you did not even have before. And so to walk in that type of dominion, you got to understand the type of authority that God has given to you. But if you're walking in fear, shaking me timbers, why would you build intimacy with somebody that you are afraid of? If you were molested by someone, why would you go to be with that someone to, to receive comfort from that person if you are afraid of them, if they've done you wrong, if they've abused you, if they have, you know, really done something really bad to you, why would you run to that person? And if God says that his greatest desire is to build intimacy with us, then why are we treating him like he has done us wrong when all he wants is for us to build a relationship with him? The issue is sin has created this idea, this ideology, this image that our feelings, our feelings are more important our desires are more important. Our thought processes are more important. Our bank accounts are more important. Our vision boards are more important than the purpose that God has placed before us. Psalms 89 verse 7 says, God is to be feared and reverenced. Where there is no reverence of God, there is no presence of God. If you do not reverence God, God, I give you my life. I give you everything that belongs to me. You have total reign, rule, and, and, and you know authority over my life. God, whether it's my finances, whether it's my family, whether it's my food, whether it's my job, whether it's my business. God, if it's the people that I'm around, if it's the, 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 the clients that I have, if it's the industry that I'm in, if it's the focus or the trajectory, the five-year plan, the 10-year plan, the investment plan, whatever it is that I have, if I don't give it to you and if I don't reverence it to you, God, then it is of me and not of you. It is of me and not of you. It is of me and not of you. One of the prayers that I prayed before my fiance and I started premarital counseling, I said, God, if this is not of you, I need you to cut it right now. Because it doesn't matter how many pictures I've posted of him. It doesn't matter how many you know conversations that I've let the world know about him. At the end of the day, I understand the covenant as a married couple, and I understand that it's not more important to keep up an image than it is to behold the image of God and be in the image of God. And so you've got to ask yourself, am I really walking in the fear of the Lord? And I'm going to be the first to say that one of the reasons why y'all didn't see me for so long was because God was dealing with my perspective of what it means to fear the Lord. And it wasn't until this week that he put language to what the process was that I was going through. And so I want to be really like transparent and vulnerable with y'all. Because when you think about why am I doing what I'm doing? If God has called you to entrepreneurship, I want you to really ask yourself, have I been really honest from the root of the, the foundation of this thing 
is this a God thing? Am I truly daily submitting myself? One of my favorite things is having conversations with my brand coach, Rose Royston. And if y'all need Brandon, she's the GOAT. Y'all need to go to her. But when I have conversations with her, every time I have an idea, she doesn't fail to tell me, submit it to God and let's get let's let's circle back on it. Submit the idea to God. I'm like, girl, God gave me this vision. He gave me this idea. I'm ready to create a whole business plan. And she's like, all right, girl, submit it to God. And for us people who consider ourselves ambitious people, we have really got to ask ourselves, are we stepping outside of the will of God to follow what we think is going to pop off, to follow what we think is going to be the next trend, to follow what we think is going to be the thing to shake the world, to make the million dollar idea? Or do we have the sensitivity to recognize, okay, let me run back to my daddy. Let me run back to my maker. Let me run back to my source. Let me run back to the one that created this world who's really going to give me the real, the real sauce, the real tea, the real blueprint as for how to be successful in this. And one thing I want to leave, leave us with today is that, well, two things. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2 to 3 says, Jesus' delight should be our delight. Delight yourself in the Lord. To delight yourself into something literally means that you spend time in it. You develop yourself. You surrender yourself. You build yourself. You develop yourself. You hold yourself in high esteem. So the question is, how am I delighting myself in God? Is the, the actions that I'm taking delighting myself in God? Is the things that I'm doing delighting myself in God? Is the things that I'm saying delighting myself in God? I think one of the most profound things that I also remembered this week was that we have to be accountable for every word that we speak. On Judgment Day, God is going to judge every single word that we speak. And if we start being more, more real, um, real, if we start reality checking our lives more frequently versus living in the, the culture of reality, we're going to realize that we're not living in biblical reality enough. We're living in the external reality versus the spiritual reality. And so today I want to challenge you is in this new season, it ain't about creating another vision board. It ain't about creating another 10, um, you know, list or whatever the case may be. Those things will come after. But what it's about right now is asking yourself in this new month, in this new phase, in this next season, am I fearing the Lord? Because at the end of the day, only what you do for God will last. Only what you do for God will last. I don't care how high you get in corporate. I don't care how much money you got in the bank. I don't care how much real estate you got. I don't care what clients you got. I don't care how many people you helped. Only what you do for God will last. And it's not like, oh, I did this for God or I did that for God. It's what did you do in obedience to God? Only what you do in obedience to God will last. Listen, y'all. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse three says, the day of Jesus's return will not come except the apostasy comes first. 
unless the predicted great falling away of those who have professed Christ has come. When you look at today's generation, I think there's a statistic that says over 20 million Americans practicing, practicing Christians are now non-Christians are agnostic or atheists. After all that we've talked about, it shouldn't be alarming to you that the reason why this is happening isn't because of just church hurt. Because, listen, we be forgiving friends, we be forgiving people, we be hurt by other people, and we mend it. And church hurt isn't God hurt. So you need to then even detach yourself from that hurt. Because here it says that they're falling away. And if we look, we got people believing in all type of things, crystals, manifestation, um, sound bowls, yoga, all these different things, shadow work, all these different things. And it says that there's a great falling away. And when we think about it, the only reason why you can fall away is because sin, right, has come. And there's a shaking in my boots, fear of the Lord, versus a reverence, a glorified honor to God and fearing who he is by honoring him, respecting him, giving glory to him. And in those five things that we says, being obedient instantly, obeying him when it doesn't make sense, obeying him even when it hurts, obeying him even if they don't see the benefit and obeying him to completion. My burden that God has given me in this process through revealing through my experience in life of fearing God with emotional fear versus fearing God with the honoring, the supernatural fear, the love of God, hating what he hates and loving what he loves has caused me to seek to obey God in this command over my life of helping to build daring disciples of dominion. And my only ultimate desire, whether it's in purpose life coaching, whether it's in leadership development, or whether it's in any speaking engagements that I'm, I'm invited to, it's to help ambitious women recognize that your selfish ambition, your box, your ideas, your, your goals, and all these things are nothing compared to the dominion that God has reserved for you when you walk in the fear of him. And so my goal is that I'm not here to be perfect in the essence of say like, oh yeah, I've never sinned. I've never been through nothing in life. I've never walked away from God. I've never fought backslidden. I've never, you know, been absent of the fear of God. Like I have, that's me. And my goal is that I am just able to encourage one other woman to really tap into the question in her mind of what does my life look like if I truly fear God and if I truly walk in the dominion that he has ordained for my life. And so, listen, y'all might have to go back and re-watch this, re-listen to this. I think I'm going to go on a prayer after this because I wasn't going to get on here this morning. My plan wasn't even to get back on live until like end of November, December sometime. But God said, I need you to come on this morning and share this 
because it's not that I am sitting here waiting for my people to keep on going down a slippery slope. He wants you to run back to him. He has open arms and he wants you to understand that he's not waiting there with the whip. He's waiting with a hug and he wants to welcome you back because he truly wants the best for you. He knows that culture tells you that this is for the best of you, but the kingdom is the only thing that's going to last and that's what he wants for the best of you. He knows that the prayer pressure is there, but his presence is greater. He knows that there are trials and tribulations of life but he knows that he's going to give you the ability to triumph over everything that's trying to consume your life he knows that the confusion is going to be there but he knows that christ died on the cross so that everything that's trying to come at you is already defeated he's jehovah nisi it's already won so at the end of the day it's not about it's too hard to follow god because i used to say that too it's about what am i willing to do to ensure that i am walking in the fear of the lord with somebody that i truly love and because I truly love you. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to disrespect you. I'm not going to walk away from you. I'm not going to make you vulnerable. I'm not going to tell lies on you. I'm not going to do all of these things that are going to make me walk away from you and put a hedge between us. So y'all, that's it. That's it. That's it. And it's been blowing my mind because I'm just like, God, like, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. But I don't understand. How do I sometimes still find myself getting caught up in certain things that just ain't making sense? Like, how can I say with my lips and my heart that I, and with my lips that I love you, but then there's like, I'm afraid to run to you. I'm afraid to share my secrets with you. I'm afraid to be vulnerable with you. I'm afraid to ask you your opinion. I'm afraid to submit certain things to you. Listen, there was a time where um, I was in college and, my, and I told my mom that I was going to Savannah, Georgia. And she asked me this question. She said, did you pray about it? And you know me, I'm like, Mama, you know, you ain't got to pray about everything. You got to pray about it if you're going on vacation. You got to pray about it if you're taking time off. You ain't got to pray about it. Like, you ain't got to submit everything to God. Like, some things you just got to make decisions. And let me tell y'all what God has revealed to me in this season of becoming a wife. If I took that same attitude into my marriage, it would cause discord. Because then my husband and I won't be working on one accord making decisions together. And even though he doesn't have to make the decisions for me, it creates an open line of communication and knowing of what's going on. So where are areas in your life where you feel because you think that God is going to say no, you already feel in your heart like, mm, I'm not taking this to God because he might say no, like. I'm going to just do it. What would they say? It's better to do things and ask for forgiveness later. I'm going to just do it and then ask God to, you know, sorry, God, like I should have asked you or I'm going to do better next time. <sighs> I know for me, I don't, I, I struggle. I am still working. No, I am overcoming. Let me change my words. I am overcoming the struggle of not taking things to God because I'm afraid that he doesn't give me what my flesh wants. Mm, 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 mm. But what if God, which it is, wants the best for you? And it means that if you think 
that this little thing is not going to be, you know, granted to you. Do you know that God doesn't give you less than what you want for your life? God only gives you plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Plans that are exceedingly, abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Plans that eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. So if there are things that you are afraid to take to God because you are afraid that he will say no, then you need to stop looking at it as I'm going to be missing out and look at it as, well, if this is what I thought was the best thing, then maybe God want me to go to Savannah for free, first class at the five-star Four Seasons Resort, and all my meals are covered. Versus when I would have had to pay for it for myself. And guess what? Sometimes he will say no. Sometimes he will withhold. Sometimes, sometimes, listen y'all, the pit is for your preservation. Your pit is for your preservation. Because if you had continued along that road, a car was going to come and knock you down or a train was coming and ran you over or somebody was going to come and rob you like the Good Samaritan. Like something was going to come and finish you off. So if you feel like my back is against the wall, I'm between a rock and a hard place, my life looks like it's over, that's the season of preservation. That's God saying, now I can work. That's God saying, now I can do what I've called you to do. That's God saying, now I can get your attention. That's him saying, now I can get you in a place of vulnerability where your heart is not far removed from me, where your eyes are not distracted, but your eyes are now turned to me. So a lot of the 20 million that have also walked away was because, you know, They couldn't do what they wanted to do because they were in the confines of being controlled. I watched, I watched, um, a video on youth on Instagram the other day, um, that Vina sent me and there was this girl talking about, you know, a water bottle, it's packaged, water is packaged in a bottle. I don't know if I got anything else in my bag, but you know, these tissues are packaged in a plastic. We do not want to be packaged in the confines of God because we think that we should be able to make our own decisions, do our own things, basically be water running along the dirty ground and then try to sell that same water to me and in in Publix. Who drinking that? God has given us this package. God has put us inside of a package. The package is the way that he wants us to live. Hate the things that I hate. Love the things that I love. Fear me. Reverence me. Follow me. And then you will be purified. You will be good for the body. You will sanctify your body. You will give you the nourishments that your body needs. You will heal people. You will do all the things that I've called you to because you remain in the confines, which means that the impurities, the contaminants, the things that were meant to, to corrupt what was in here cannot reach you. And what happens when we think that because it's our bodies, children should have their own rights, People should be able to decide what sex they want to be and all these different things. Then you come out of the confines 
of this battle. And that's how sin derails you from destiny, which robs you of dominion. Because if he can derail your destiny and cause you to go on a different path that God has called you to, then you cannot walk in the authority that God has called you in to operate in dominion in the land that he has placed you in. I'm preaching to myself, y'all. <laughs> I'm preaching to myself. Because have you ever found yourself like in this place where you feel like, okay, God, I used to do this, this, and this, and now I feel like your presence is gone. Now I feel like, you know, you're no longer here. Now I feel like, you know, I just feel lost. I feel lonely. I feel empty. I need you to go back to find what was the thing that I have disobeyed God on that I have not obeyed instantly? Thumbs up. What is the thing that I need to obey God on that doesn't make sense? What is the thing that I need to obey God in even if it hurts? What is the thing that I need to obey God in even if I don't see the benefit? What is the thing that I need to obey God in even if it feels like I lack discipline? For those of us who lack discipline... For those of us who say, you know, I'm just too tired. For those of us who are making all the excuses for all the things. This is not a season to be walking in the physical, fleshly fear of God where we're scared of God. But this is a season where we understand that the fear of God means to grow in intimacy with him because we reverence him, we honor him, we adore him, we cherish him. We truly, truly understand that he is a God of good and God, everything of God is good. If it's not good, then it's not of God. So I just want to challenge y'all today. Look at your lives. Look at your friend groups. Look at the jobs you're working, look at the way that you're working, look at the way that you're speaking to people, look at the way that you're communicating, look at the way that you're speaking to your children, your, your spouse, your friends, your co-workers. Look at different things in your life and ask God, God, what do I need to purge in me that I can relight the fire that never burns out in me because I fear you? One of the startling, um, and I'm going to leave on this quote, but one of the startling revelations I got when I was listening to Pastor John Bevere, and again, go and get his book, The Awe of God, and go and watch every sermon he has preached on The Awe of God on YouTube. But he said, there's so many people in the Bible who did miracles for God, who served God, who led tribes for God, but in the end, they still failed at the end. Do you know that you can love God but not be a friend of God? We sing that song, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. And we be jumping and we're like, yeah, yeah, I am a friend of God. And what happens when we get to God and God says, depart from me because I don't know you? Yes, I will allow you to do miracles in my name. Yes, I will allow you to, to rain down the presence of God in the atmosphere because I care more about souls than I care about, you know, if you're going to decide to serve me or not. Like, I'm still going to use you. 
to get people. I'm still going to use you to pour out my presence. But I can then come back and say, I don't know you because you're not my friend because you don't fear me. I gave you an anointing, but you don't fear me. That's the scariest thing. Having an anointing without the fear of God. Thinking that because people fall out when you sing or people um, do things, you know, people say, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. Like you changed my life. They give you all these testimonials and you feel like you're walking in the purpose of God to then find out that you're not even a friend of God. That is scary. And that's one of the things that I've been working on in the background because Avern gonna come on here. She's gonna shift the dynamics of a room. She's gonna give you a great word. She's gonna, you know, really move your spirit. She's gonna help you walk in freedom and liberty. But I gotta check myself and I gotta say, God, am I a friend of you? 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 Anybody got any questions? What 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 you what might you be struggling with that you know? And we can be transparent. We can be vulnerable. At the end of the day, it says on um, Revelation chapter twelve that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So if there is something that you feel condemned about, know that your Father, He already casted your that memory into the sea of of, of forgetfulness. We keep bringing up sins that God already forgiven us of. We keep condemning ourselves. We think that we are so holy that we get to judge ourselves when God is the only judge. And yes, we do have to hold ourselves accountable, but in the context that when God forgiven us of something and we go to God and we repent, meaning we turn from that thing and we start doing the thing God's way, God has forgiven us. There's no need to keep saying, Lord, um, you know, remember that thing. Remember, remember, remember. God is like, honey, I have already given you freedom. I have already set the captives free. I have already answered you. And so we're, we're delaying our destiny as well by staying in this depression, by staying in this cycle, by literally holding people, the world, the, the condemnation of the world against us when God is like, are you gonna walk in my freedom or are you gonna walk in the world's condemnation? Which one is it gonna be? Before I spoke about my abortion publicly, it took me eight years to publicly speak about the fact that I had an abortion. Eight years. Because I was like, I've done the greatest sin. The church isn't going to forgive me. People are going to ridicule me. And God said to me, whose opinion weighs the most in, 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 in this world? It could be the opinion of man. Or it could be my opinion. But you get to choose. Because he says, I've given you the choice. Death or life. But... I'm going to give you some wisdom. I'm going to give you some, you know, give you a little blueprint, but choose life. You can choose death, but choose life so that you can have life and life more abundantly. I think the scariest thing is hearing of how successful people are on earth and they become comfortable. They think that this is the soft life. They think that this is the perfect life. They think that this is the life. This is it. How can life get better than this? And God is saying, you have no idea 
you have no idea as to how the enemy has blinded you and is derailing your destiny. You have no idea. You have no idea. You have no idea. What does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? You can have the new invention. You can make how much ever money. You can have the best Instagram family. You can have two million um, likes on 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 Instagram. And you can still get to heaven and try to negotiate with God, telling God all the good things you did. Because there's a statistic that says 25% of millennials are Christians. And every one out of 25 Christians believe that doing good, um, doing good works is what it means to be a Christian. So there's a question. And it says... I don't always feel like I have the capacity to do what God is telling me to do. How do I overcome this blockage in my mind? That is such a really, really, really good question. That is a really good question. Holy Spirit, give me the wisdom for this question. Let's take it in parts. I don't always feel I have the capacity First of all, when you don't feel like you have the capacity, the first thing that I want you to do is remind yourself that I wasn't created for my own achievement or for my own success or for me to succeed on my own. We didn't ask to be here, but we're here, right? So what you got to do is that you've got to ask God, well, go to God and say, God, be honest. I don't got the capacity that you're giving me in my flesh, in my own will. I ain't got it. I don't have it. But there are some things that need to happen physically and spiritually, naturally and spiritually. Number one, you need to really have a, a, a reality check of what your current workload is like. What is your current workload capacity like, right? You got the kids, you got the husband, you know, you got work, you serving at church, you got a business on the side, you volunteer. What does your capacity look like? What are you giving your energy to? Write all of those things down, right? And then from there, I want you to then ask God in prayer, God, what is the season that you have called me to right now? Because one of the things that I have really assessed in my own life in being a, 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 a person who has laid down my ambition to pick up purpose is that saying no is a really hard thing to do. We don't want to say no. We don't want to upset people. We want to. We don't want to miss opportunities and all these different things, right? So the reason why sometimes we're really overwhelmed is because we found ourselves doing a whole lot of things that God has not called us to in that season. So after we've identified what is our obligations in this season, we need to then go to God and submit those obligations and ask God, God, what are these obligations of you? Are these of you? Show me the ones that are not of you. Help me weed them out. The next thing that I want you to do is really go to the scripture and find scripture because sometimes the things that God has called us to are way more than we can handle, which means that if what you are walking in right now is what you can handle, then you need to go to God and ask God, 
if this is of him because more times than usual the 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 assignment that god has given you is not going to be able for you to do in your own power and your own will if you can operate your business without going to god then you are not operating in the will of god if you can raise a family without going to god then you are not operating in the will of god if you can do things without not having to seek counsel from God and saying, God, I can't do this on my own, then you are not operating in the will of God. Because whatever God is calling you to is going to have to be dependent upon him because only he knows that that vision is so great. Because at the end of the day, if, you're, if you have a little vision, that vision is too small. That vision is too small. If you're saying, you know, I just want to make... $200 in my business. Now, for some people, that might be a stretch. It might be a huge vision. But God wants you to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all. So you need to ask God, God, what does your vision of the capacity of my life looking like? And then go and find scriptures that speak to having capacity. I love a good scripture. And I don't really do affirmations, I do declarations. I speak the word because systems and, 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 spir and spiritual realm only is activated by the voice, the word of God. The spirit realm is voice activated. So if you think that just saying, I am strong, I am beautiful, without reverencing that to a scripture, the angels only obey based on the word of God. They don't obey because you said a cute quote. They obey what the Bible says. So when you speak the word of God, they don't hear you. They hear the command of God. So go and find the scriptures on if you feel weak, if you feel weary, because these are issues of capacity building. If you feel um, not confident, if you feel like you don't have the resources, if you feel like you don't have the strength, if you feel like you don't have the community, whatever areas of your capacity that you feel like you are dwindling in, go and find those scriptures. Now. Once God has revealed to you what your capacity is, you've been building up your capacity and in, in speaking the word and shifting your mindset in declaring God's word and meditating on his word day and night so that you can delight yourself in God and you remain in the fear of God. And one of the reasons why we fall out of the fear of God is because we have not hid thy word in thy heart. The scripture says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So if we don't have the word hidden in our heart, it more than likely means that we will sin and we will depart from God we lose the fear of God we stop working according to the will of God we stop going to God and asking his advice asking his opinion okay and so once we get that revelation of what God is calling us to in this season and one of the things that my brand coach has also told me is like okay everyone write down the ideas not everything that you get now means that it's for this season not everything that God gives to you now means that you need to do tomorrow. Not everything that God gives you today means that this is where you're supposed to be before the end of 2023. Write it on a paper, submit it back to God and say, God, I submit this back to you. Show me in timing, in your perfect timing, when it's time to obey instantly to activate it. And a lot of reason why we're in capacity overload is because of delayed obedience which means that there was a time in a season where God told us to do something and because we delayed it 
and God had appointed something else already for the next season. Now we're trying to bring something from a past season into this season because of delayed obedience. It was never meant for us to carry all that burden in this season. But that's another conversation for another day. So after God has given you the capacity that you need, you need to then create a system around that capacity. Create a system that, first of all, starts with God in, start, in, in terms of the day. Starts with God and ends with God, but in the middle, communicates with God. Starts with God, ends with God, communicates with God. Because there are sometimes, even as entrepreneurs, we create lists, we create schedules, we create all different types of things. And we ain't even ask God, like, God, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to do today? I know I put three meetings on my calendar. I know that I put this on my board. I know that this is where you're calling me to, but what do you want me to do today? Okay? So we need to create systems. One of the systems that my life looks like, um, just so that you know you can get an idea, I thrive on spending time with God early in the morning first thing. If I am not spending time with God early in the morning first thing, it means a couple things. One, I might never get back to that devotional time that I want with God. Two, if I do get to it, it means that I have to obstruct some other part of my day to get that done. Or three, I am, you know, just like in this funk because the, 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 the time that I need to spend with my daddy, with my CEO, with my guide, like you don't go to a job and just do what you want on a job. You get instructions from your supervisor. You get instructions from your lead. You get instructions from your CEO. So why do you think that it's okay for you to just wake up, set your schedule, live your life, spend your money, and all this stuff without consulting God? Is God really the CEO of your life? Is God really in reign over your life? Reign doesn't mean rain coming down. Rain means I call the shots. Rain means I'm the one sitting on the chair and I'm telling you what to do. Rain means that I'm the king and you're the one that's listening to me give the orders. Is God having reign over your life, over your business, over your family, over every area of your life? So, the system, 3.30 a.m., I wake up, 4 a.m., I get into prayer, worship, prayer, my declarations, my Bible reading, then I read a book on leadership or I listen to a podcast or I listen to a sermon and then I get into the gym. Then I get into making breakfast. I get dressed. Um, I might listen to something else while I'm getting dressed. After that, I, I now have incorporated something called the Purpose Over Ambition Study where every morning I'm dedicating 15 minutes to spending time with God specifically to asking him how do I lay down my ambition today and pick up his purpose for his destiny that I walk in full dominion and that is when I do come back I do plan on bringing those um, nuggets that I get in time with him to you guys and after that I get into work I work I eat I work and then I'm off and then at night I have now I have to make time for a family a husband um but I spend time studying studying for me because I'm in leadership and I'm in life coaching means that I come from a biblical perspective to, so I need to do extra study in the word of God and I need to learn from my internet mentors my book mentors so I'm reading I'm taking courses and I do that for two hours and then I go to bed so 
when you're looking at capacity, capacity building in different seasons looks different based upon what you have. Like right now, because I'm in a big transition, all of that stuff isn't happening. Some days it might mean taking care of some stuff for him. Some days it might mean taking care of some stuff for other family members. Sometimes it might mean me taking mental health breaks because of how quickly life is changing. And I don't want to be far removed from God because I am being consumed by my emotional feelings. Okay? And so that's another reason why I've had to take a step back from being present and being online because I cannot pour out of a cup that I am pouring out so that God can fill me up in. Like, I'm not just trying to show up because, oh, I got to remain consistent or, oh, I got to keep a presence. Or, oh, no, when God says do this, you do that. Okay? It's not common for the culture, but it's the kingdom. Okay? So I hope that that first part answers the capacity part. You can't pour from an empty cup. So then the second part of the question says, how do I overcome this blockage in my mind? <sighs> Listen, y'all. How do I overcome this blockage in my mind? I can be really honest and transparent with this aspect because I have been fighting tooth and nail with spiritual warfare on reclaiming my mental stability. And not my mental stability like I'm going crazy, but my mental stability in believing the promises of God. When you have been through so much, you know, stuff in life and your, your capacity is overloaded and you're going through so many different things, the enemy is very cunning, he's very sneaky, and he is gonna throw everything at your mind that he can throw at your mind in order to derail your, your, your passion for God, your passion for what he's called you to, and your belief and your confidence that you are called for what he has called you to. So what he starts doing is putting these mental blocks in your mind like, you know, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that, I'm not called for this, he got you second-guessing, the, the purpose that God has called you to be in entrepreneurship a million times. And what I've realized is that when you are overcoming this blockage in your mind, it means that you need to do two things. Go back to identifying who is God, the character and the nature of God. Not what the church has told me, not what the sermons are telling me. I need to go and bust out my Bible. I don't have it in here, but I need to go and bust out my Bible and I need to understand who is God for real. Who is God for real? The reason why we so if you didn't if you if you don't know me, right? There are some people who might say, oh, because I'm always talking about serious stuff or sometimes my face is always serious, like in passion when I'm talking about stuff. People think that I'm, I'm mean or I'm not personable or whatever the case may be. But if you don't know me, you would address me in a way in which you don't know me. But if you know me, you address me in a different way because you do know me, right? So if you truly know the identity of God, then the way that you see yourself will be different from if you do not know the true identity of God. If you know that God is a good, good father, 
then you will believe in your mind that if God is good, then if he has called me to this thing, if he has appointed me for this thing, then I can truly believe that no matter what my eyes see, that it is good. Okay? And so the second part of it is the identity of you. When we are walking in building capacity, and when we are facing mental blockages, sometimes we forget who we are. And it's not just about who we are in Christ, but it's also about reminding yourself of who Christ has made you to be in terms of what do you have in your hand? God wants to ask you like, what do you have? I've given you something. Are you using what I've given you? And then are you understanding based upon what I've given you and based upon who I've spiritually called you to be, do you understand that you are equipped for the capacity and for the thing that I've called you to? So when it comes to overcoming this mental blockage, is there two different identities that are at, you know, at work here? The identity of you and the identity of God. Once you understand the identity of God, it's then falls under submission that you understand the identity of you because we are sons of God. We are children of God. We are God's handiwork, right? Before we were born, he predestined for such a time as this. He has ordained us. He knows all the hairs on our heads, right? So when you are working with overcoming this mental blockage, I want you to start with Going to seek out the character in the identity of God. Who is God? How does he love? What does he hate? How does he punish? What has he said about forgiveness? What has he said about faith? What has he said about believing in him, trusting in him? Understand these things for yourself because it says study to show yourself approved and it also says that our people perish because they lack knowledge so the reason why the enemy can overtake our minds and give us blockages is because we aren't studying it enough and we aren't hiding his word in our heart so as a result we don't have weapons to fight with can you imagine going to a war without a gun without a knife without the armor that you need without without a a, a bulletproof vest without combat boots on, without a helmet on. Can you imagine going to a war without weapons? The word is your weapon. The word is your weapon. And so one of the things that I do as a system is that, um, and I have fallen off, so I, I too am reminding myself of this. One of the things I do is that I will, if I know that I'm struggling with faith, I will go and I'll create like an index card of faith declarations based on scripture. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'm pleased, I please God because I have faith, right? I'm creating um, um, declarations from the scripture. Faith is not seen. Faith is believed. I believe and I have faith, okay? So you write your cards because one thing that the enemy gonna do is he gonna wait till he catch you with your pants down. So I have my affirmation cards and when there's a time when the enemy comes up and I feel like I'm lacking faith, 
I can go and run to my affirmation card instead of wallowing in my bed and crying and feeling like I don't know what to do. I'm hopeless. I'm helpless and all these different things. Because there's a saying in, in entrepreneurship that the, the easier you make it for somebody to buy, the more money you basically make, right? Like if you have too many steps to purchase, more than likely by step three, if you got 10 steps, that buyer's already gone. And it's the same thing with combating the, the things in your mind from the enemy. The more blockages or the more things you got to do to find your weapons to defend yourself, the more time he has to derail your mindset. So there are different systems that we need to play at work when we understand that if we're going to be people during Disciples of Dominion who are laying down our selfish ambition, who are picking up purpose, and who are walking in the full dominion of God, then we have got to create intentional systems around our lives in order to pursue the things that God has called us to pursue. So that is that question. And that was a really good question. Are there any other questions um, that we might have? And those systems can be for anything. If you struggle with, you know, whatever it is that you might struggle with, whatever your sin might be, whatever your area of weakness might be, create that quick system that you can run to so that you aren't um, setting yourself up for failure in terms of the enemy getting a hold of your mind. And one thing that I do want to leave us with, and I'm saying this like for the fourth time, is confusion is a demon. Anxiety is a demon. Depression is a demon. Loneliness is a demon. All the negative feelings that you feel, they're not just emotions. They are demons. And I'm saying this because when I realize that it's not a natural feeling, it's a principality that's up against me, my warfare shifts. The way that I square up shifts. Because before I was like, oh, I'm just depressed. It's a demon. And demons have no right in you because you are a child of God. So when the instant that you feel it, it makes you feel comfortable to hold on to it because we want to be the victims versus the victors. But when you come into understanding that I am not wrestling against flesh and blood. I am wrestling against principalities, against rulers of darkness in wicked and high places. I am not just out here wrestling with some anxiety medicine or some depression medicine or any of this. I am wrestling with a stronghold principality. And if that doesn't make you want to square up differently and fight for the purpose and the destiny that God has called you to, then baby, I don't know what else is going to make you want to fight. But you got to understand that that was not the portion that God has for you. That is not the portion that God has for you. And there you have it, PT, another episode down where we fix a system that is broken. I hope that this has truly blessed you. Definitely take some time to soak it in, to reflect, and to ask yourself the hard questions and send it to a friend. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Purpose Troubleshooter Podcast and connect with us, grow with us, and truly change the world with us. We love you.
and until next time bye